The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. And today's buzz is performance management. Yes, your CFO's priorities have to change when right now. Why? I'll tell you. Beyond merely, don't take that as an insult, guys and gals, beyond merely closing the books, your office of finance must now be, take a list here, a steward of the business. They must help generate new revenue from your existing customers and markets. They've got to get out of that silo and learn to collaborate with your LOBs, your sales, your marketing, your supply chain, on and on. They have to be more flexible than ever and on and on is the truth it's a long list of what they have to do What's the challenge? Well, they have to harness your EPM. If you've been living under a rock, that's enterprise performance management. They've got to harness your EPM data and understand it so well they can integrate daily fact-of-life business risk. Risk is the operative word here into making transparent, fact-based decisions. Why? We want them to help your company drive glorious business results. I love that word, glorious, with business results. We'll be talking about that in a minute. So are you ready to leave convention? Conventional wisdom behind, the experts speak. And I have to warn you, my three experts today on the panel dug deep into the archives of famous quote land and came up with some great ones. So we're going to be hearing from John Steele at Deloitte. He says, you can't manage what you don't measure. Anybody think that sounds familiar? Well, it's a business adage attributed to Peter F. Drucker. But... You may think it's from W. Edwards Deming. Not true. It belongs to Drucker. We'll be talking to John Steele in just a moment. We also have a great quote today from Jim Braun from Capgemini. He says, nobody who ever gave his best regretted it. I think we can say her best, too. I'll talk to Jim about that. Quote from George Hallis. 1895 to 1983. Sound familiar? You might know him as Papa Bear and Mr. Everything. He was the iconic, long-term beloved leader of the NFL Chicago Bears. And rounding out the panel is Kurt Billifer from SAP calling all the way from Singapore. It's a long line between the tin cans today. And he says, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? That's a question from Robert H. Schuler, the Hour of Power televangelist. What great quotes. I want to thank my guests. So join us for the next hour for Performance Management, Stepping Stone to Predictive Analytics. I don't know if that's a declaration or if it's a question mark. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to the third edition of Financial Excellence with Game Changers Radio presented by SAP. We are live. It's Tuesday, April 16th, 2013, and I've got a great show for you. Quick question from my Game Changers. 
Changer listeners. Have you downloaded our free CIO playbook yet? Learn how mobility can, tra- can transform your business. Go to our show page on the business channel and click any banner. It'll take you to a page with all kinds of freebies on us. And look for the CIO playbook. And now let me tell you about my esteemed panelists. First, we'll start with John Steele. He's a principal in Deloitte's Consulting's Technology Service Area and a leader in the SAP Finance Transformation Practice. John has served clients in a range of industries, consumer products, that's CP to most of us, used to be CPG, wholesale distribution, manufacturing, aerospace and defense, media, and many more. John Steele, welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. How are you today? I'm great, Bonnie. I'm glad to be here. Thanks. Very glad to have you. Quickly, where are you calling from today, John? I'm calling in from uh, beautiful Houston, Texas. Is the weather good, I hope? It's uh, it's okay. It's not great, but it's good enough. It's always nice when it's above 55 degrees. So it's about 70 degrees here, and I'm enjoying it. Oh, amen. We're, we're edging up toward the high 60s here on Long Island, so I'm going to have good weather with you today. And let's also welcome Jim Braun. Jim is in Enterprise Performance Management. We all know that's EPM. There's a pop quiz after the show. An EPM capability leader at Capgemini. Jim has 23 years of experience also across multiple industries, and he's a CPA. No, don't call him. Yesterday was tax day. He's not giving out free tax advice. Jim has worked in consulting and in industry in the positions of senior manager, Chief Financial Officer and VP of Financial Planning and Analysis. He's had positions at the Big Four Consulting and or Fortune 100 companies. Great pedigree. Jim Braun, welcome to Financial Excellence. How are you today? Thanks, Bonnie. I'm doing well. Good. Thanks for joining me. We have a lot to talk about with you in rounding out our panel. None other than Kurt Bellifer calling all the way from Singapore. Kurt is the Regional Vice President of Analytics for SAP APJ, Asia Pacific Japan. Prior to his role, this role at SAP, Kurt was the National VP for Enterprise Performance Management and Governance Risk and Compliance, GRC Solutions for SAP North America. What time is it over there in Singapore, Kurt? That's just after midnight. It's currently 12:07. Well, thank you. Well, you, and, you know uh, what? You're, you're 12 hours. You're 12 hours ahead of me. I'm 12:07 p.m. here in New York. Kurt, thank you so much for joining us. It's quite a stretch of a leap of faith for you to stay up this late to be on live radio, but we really wanted to have your words of wisdom to the conversation. So thank you. We appreciate it. So I'm going to go back to the monologue, and we're going to pull apart these quotes from my guests. John Steele Deloitte, you quoted Peter Drucker. You can't manage what you don't measure. Talk to me, John. What does this mean in terms of EPM, predictive? Where does this fit into our conversation today? Well, Bonnie, I think it's a a truism in life that people respond best when they're measured against something. And I think that's the origin of the quote is, if you don't understand what's happening, you can't really manage it. And working with our large clients across the globe, we, we understand that it's best when you're talking around enterprise performance management to understand exactly what behavior you're trying to elicit from the business and then measure that appropriately so that people can understand what they're gold against and what the business is trying to achieve. So I know during the course of the broadcast today, we'll probably get into that in a little bit more detail. But essentially, if you're not looking at it, it'll probably get out of control. Very interesting. I know there has to be a balance there. We're talking about real-time data and right-time data. That's the big talk is HANA and, and big data today. And where is all this information coming from? How do you process it? How do you use it? I'm going to ask you an interesting question, interesting to me, John Steele. You have to measure it. 
today. How much time do you actually have to measure so you can manage? Is that a balancing act, John? It's absolutely a balancing act. And I think we're headed into perilous times, Bonnie, to be mm-hmm. honest with you, because HANA unleashes an incredible ability to disaggregate data and get down to a level of granularity that companies have only dreamed of before. And that's why it's incredibly important and essential for companies to define what are the measurements that, that truly move the business and then stick to those key measures and make sure that your operational measures are linked to your strategic measures. There's a good, real temptation good. when you have all yeah. that data available to try to wade into it, and there truly is a balancing act. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. That was my instinctive response because we talk about this all the time here on Game Changers Radio. Let's move to Jim Braun from Cap Gemini. You said nobody who ever gave his best, pardon me, Jim, I'm going to say his or her best, and George Hallis will forgive me. Nobody who ever gave his or her best regretted it. So what? how does this apply to our EPM topic today, Jim Braun? Yes. Well, I think this applies to anything in life. I mean, mm-hmm. I was uh, I was born and raised in the great city of Chicago, and I looked up to icons like uh, George Hallis, as well as uh, and respected their values and work ethic. And so, you know, with Chicago being the city that works and the city of broad shoulders and that philosophy, uh, you have to always give your best effort. Hard work will pay off, and uh, you need to put yourself in a position to win. That that, that goes with EPM uh, and CFOs and, and you know, definitely uh, making sure they're they're using lead, leading practices and uh, in EPM and moving toward predictive analysis to be competitive. Jim, I'm going to ask you in terms of giving it your best. Tagging on to what I asked John Steele about how much time do you have to give it your best today? Is technology the friend of people using EPM and looking for predictive and moving the office of the finance ahead in new directions, collaborative and flexibility, all the good stuff I talked about in the monologue? Is is giving it your best, does that take too much time? And we all know there are different business thoughts, trains of thought and ethics in terms of just get it done, damn it, or let's just see how much we can do to give it a – what does the best mean today, Jim? in business? Well, the best to me is uh, adding value. And uh, to add value is eliminating non-value activities to do your best. Um, I got to qualify that. So utilizing today's technology to eliminate non-value add activities and get to the, the value-added analysis piece is really what it means to do your best. And then contributing to business decisions for the CFO as well as the company and improving value for the company. Okay. Thank you very much. And let's move to Kurt. We want to make sure we get you in. You're staying up late for us, Kurt. So let's have this Robert Schuller quote. What would you do if you knew you could not fail? To whom are we addressing this, Kurt? Is this in general? Is this because EPM makes sure you can't fail? Talk to me. No, I think it's in general. I mean, you know, like Jim talked about, I think, you know, we all grew up understanding you had to do the, the hard tasks. And I think, unfortunately, your organizations have moved away from that and and typically look for the simplest ways out um, and, and, and do the bare minimum. And whether that's a performance management or, or just providing people with information and make decisions. Um, so I think, you know, the technology is just an enabler, right? It allows us to, to reconstruct the way we go about doing business. And so particularly with EPM, I, I think the opportunity is, is, you know, how do you enable people to make decisions quickly and, and how do you improve transparency and visibility into the day-to-day activities? Because everything is moving to, if it's not value-added, we should automate it or move it out. 
Um, so, so I think you have to kind of reimagine the workplace because technology allows us to do that. So would you consider technology to be a safety net of a sort, Kurt? Um, you know, potentially. I mean, I think, it, it, you know, it, it could be abused. I, I think it's more of, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's in memory or mobile, you know, we used to have all these constraints where we had to be tethered to our desktop, and, and that's gone. Um, and I think there's perfect examples if you look at how we use technology in our personal lives, whether it's on a mobile device or how we use the Google search box or, or Bing or any of those things. You know, we, we ask a question, we get an answer, and we move on. And we all use it differently, but we all trust the data. Yet when we go back into our offices, it's a completely different experience. And I think, you know, both business and IT have this opportunity to, to reimagine the world. And so, you know, that, that's where that, you know, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? Because I think people typically go in and hedge their bets and do the safe thing rather than mm-hmm. the right thing. Right. That has to change. Right. Got that. Got that. That's Yes, that's what we're talking about. I want you to do me a favor. We have a minute till break. Uh, Kurt, I want you to help me connect the dots for our listeners. Our topic today is performance management, stepping stone to predictive analytics. Connect the dots. Where, where are we on that series of stepping stones from EPM to predictive? What's that path? Quickly, just give me an intro here. Yeah, so, I mean, I think the path is a couple of things. One is we have to enrich the data sets. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of data that lives outside our organization which could improve the planning process or, or our strategy process. Um, and the rate of change is, 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 you know, I guess, you know, is moving so quickly. Everything is we don't have time to go back and rebudget or replan once a year. It, it almost has to be something that gets uh, analyzed on a daily basis. And so I think – that becomes the opportunity, and then it becomes predictive because then we've isolated the elements that really drive our plan and drive the company. And so as we look at whether it's commodity prices changing or emerging middle class coming online, we know how that's going to impact our organizational structure and our revenues and earnings. Okay, thank you. I like those stepping stones. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Great show for you. We're talking to John Steele from Deloitte, Jim Braun from Capgemini, and Kurt Villefer from SAP. We're talking about performance management, stepping stone to predictive analytics. We're going to do a deep dive into everything EPM, and you're going to come out on the other side with a lot of great information to take back so you can be a game changer for your company right away. Don't even think of touching that app. We'll be right back in 57 seconds. Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now. According to IDC, by 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments? Questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Here we are, and it's time for our coffee break segment. I'm going to ask my guests, what are you drinking today? It could be anything. Just delight me. John Steele from Deloitte. What's in your cup today, John? Well, Bonnie, I'm a big fan of Coca-Cola beverages, and today I've got one uh, that I've gathered from Europe. It's called Nalu. It's an energy drink that's actually made from green coffee beans. And Nalu is the Hawaiian word for surfing motion or the foaming of a wave. And I'll tell you, it's extremely refreshing and extremely invigorating. Now, you either going to have to please tweet this or spell it for me so Malcolm can tweet this because we have to, yes, we have to absolutely have this on our tweet stream at hashtag SAP Radio. How do you spell this, John? It's N-A-L-U. And I I became uh, definitely addicted to it and all the time that I spent in Europe. It's, it's distributed most widely in Europe, but you can get it in pockets in the U.S., it's extremely. Uh, it's an extremely refreshing drink. Wonderful, thank you. That's brand new for us here on the show. I appreciate it a lot, Malcolm. You can tweet that. Love to hear it. And by the way, we want to welcome Karuna to our tweet stream today. Thank you for joining us. Okay, Jim Braun, Cap Gemini. What are you drinking today? I'm having a chocolate shake with uh, bits of chocolate cake blended in. I call it my. I want my cake and eat it too. Drink. <laughs> You're talking to a chocolate, uh, I wouldn't say an aficionado, but certainly a chocoholic here. Me, yes, morning, noon, and night. So what, you have to tell me a little more. What kind of chocolate, what kind of milk, what do you put in it? Uh, what do you, how do you blend the cake? That's what I want to know. Well, you know, there's a, there's a local place uh, in Chicago called, called Portillo's that actually serves this milkshake. And uh, they have their own chocolate cake that is out of this world. If you ever go to Chicago, you have to go there and try it. It's a... Uh, a local beef stand is what they call it. There's something called Italian beef. Outside of uh, regular milk and vanilla ice cream and chocolate syrup, you have to add their chocolate cake to make the best uh, chocolate cake milkshake. That's fantastic. I'm learning so much today. Thank you, Jim. i got to stop laughing sure. so I can lead the show. And, Kurt, it is now, according to my clock, 12.19 a.m. in Singapore. And tell me something. What are you drinking? Well, certainly nothing with caffeine. I am uh, I'm drinking an all green drink. So I have uh, a concoction I make that is uh, green apples, cucumbers, kale, spinach, parsley, and lemon. So that's what I am drinking right now. I hope you blend yes, it well. <laughs> I was going to say this is probably the most, the first award-winning panel with the award-winning "What's in Your Cup" answers. I don't think we've ever had such exciting drinks. I'm waiting for. Let's see if Karuna tells us what she's drinking today. And I have to say that Malcolm, my co-producer, is enjoying. Oh, this is new for Malcolm. Fresh ice cold pomegranate juice. Spelled a little funky, but we know what you mean. Thank you, Malcolm. He's usually an Equator Coffee fan. Kurt, like you. I don't have caffeine on show days. As a matter of fact, it's in my contract. No caffeine for Bonnie on live radio days. What can I tell you? Wonder why. Okay, Kurt, let's kick off the roundtable. Let's get serious now. I opened up the show talking about how the Office of Finance 
has to change. And you told me before the show, you, you believe firmly in this, that the Office of Finance CFO is experiencing a transformation moving from, and I, I don't mean this to sound talking down, but merely closing the books, to being a steward of the business. What does this mean? How big is this stewardship? How important is it? Is it just getting out of the office, talking to the LOBs, getting unsiloed, embracing all of the types of data, taking more responsibility? What does it really mean, this transformation? Kurt, start us off and then everybody will join in, please. Yeah, well, I, mean, I think, it, you know, it used to be that the, the COOs were always next in line to become, you know, the chief executive officers. And I think that's really evolved in, in probably the last, you know, five to seven years to be more of the CFOs doing that. And the reason why is they, they get the broad experience across the organization, but they certainly gain insights into how to effectively run the business. And what we've seen is a transition from, you know, them just, just really trying to accelerate the close, right, which is certainly is a big focus and, and keep the company out of the newspapers mm-hmm. for all the wrong reasons, to teaching people how to effectively plan and, and grow their business. Um, and, and then using the information that they collect, and whether that's, you know, customer or product-specific profit and loss statements or, or even strategy of, you know, how the company is going to evolve over the next three to five years, they're really taking that information and cascading it down and, and helping the different lines of business understand how to make real business decisions. I mean, most people in lines of business organizations rise to those roles because of their experience, not necessarily because they know how to build a, uh, an effective business. And that's what the CFO has done. And I think, you know, these new technologies, you know, are really helping the, the CFO do two things. One is, is ensure that, that they're doing their previous roles as effectively as possible and mitigating that risk, but more importantly, taking that same information and making it available across the organization when appropriate so everybody's making improved business decisions. Because at the end of the day, the way the company's going to be successful isn't just having that strategy and that information live inside the boardroom or with the executive team. It's cascading it down to all the individuals that are making business decisions that impact the direction and the execution. And, and, you know, we have a saying internally, we talk about, you know, aligning the day-to-day execution with the overall strategy. And I think that's what the CFO is becoming is this steward and, and, and constantly doing these, these hopefully small course corrections to make sure everybody is, is headed in the right direction, um, especially when a lot of the market is changing. And whether that's, you know, I'm over here in APJ where there's obviously lots of rapidly emerging economies, but, mm-hmm. but these aren't small countries, right? So if Indonesia comes online with 247 million people, how does that change my go-to-market model if I'm a, a you know a global entity? Um, and I think that's really where the CFO is focused and helping people plan for that growth. So so that's where we see it uh, transforming. And obviously, you know, the world continues to become smaller and currency crisis and and all those sort of things that are happening in in different countries are are impacting you know global entities and. And we're even seeing new legislation that's being passed, like, you know, the Foreign Corruption Practices Act in the United States, how that's impacting not just U.S. companies, but companies that do business in the U.S. or are listed on a, on a, on a stock exchange. Um, so all those things have huge ramifications, and that's where the CFO really has to guide people through how do they change their business models to, to ensure that they're doing the right things. Thank you, Kurt. Really good overview. I appreciate it. I have a question for you, but I'm just going to plant the seed of this question, and I want to bring Jim into this and John, of course. But my question to you is, 
did the CFO decide this was the right thing to do, or is this a transformation at the C-suite level where they said, okay, guys, step up. We need you to come out of your ivory or your green tower and come and do more for the business because we have to marry strategy. But don't answer it right now, but just I want to come to, to how did this transformation happen? What was the impetus or the genesis? I want to bring in Jim Braun at this point. Jim, uh, you made a comment to me before the show. You said making fact-based decisions by understanding your EPM data could be contrary to conventional wisdom. And this, in fact, may tie in a little bit with what Kurt was saying about how the Office of, of Finance, the CFO, is coming out of its office walls and doing things differently, more strategically, more collaboratively with the whole business. So talk to me. What do you mean by going contrary to conventional wisdom? Jim Braun? Yeah. So one of the attributes of the CFO and the CFO office is that you're you know, good with numbers and you tie everything back and make sure that controls are in place so that your your reported data is accurate. You're held accountable for that. You have a fiduciary responsibility for that. So, but you know as a CFO um, that that's not, reporting what happened isn't necessarily the most valuable thing for your organization. That's not where the value add is. The value add is helping to contribute to forward-looking decisions and mm-hmm. making better decisions, right? So, essentially, um, you know, my, my comment about, about conventional wisdom was other folks, and, and typically this is a, an attribute of, a, of an entrepreneur, they, they see things in their own purview. You know, they, they see opportunities. And based on history, from their perspective, they feel like they understand, you know, the way things are going to play out. Whereas if you're a CFO and you're tying things back to data, and you're coming coming across a different signal, um, you need to be persuasive and you need to tie that data back to a fact-based decision based on data. Um, and you need to then sometimes be convincing to entrepreneur types that, hey, this is what I'm seeing and I understand what's happened in the past and I understand all of your conventional wisdom and your expertise would lead you to believe and your gut instinct would lead you to believe that, you know, we should still invest in real estate as an example. Um, mm-hmm. I'm seeing inventories build. I'm seeing facts to the contrary to what your gut or your purview is telling you. So that, that's where I was going with that. Okay. Thank you very much. I, I want to bring um, – who have I got here? I've got uh, John Steele. I want to bring you into the conversation, and I want to do some level setting around what we've been talking about. We've been talking about this broad topic, which you so aptly put in your notes to me. EPM is a broad topic. And you say, before embarking on any journey with EPM, it's essential to assess how you will use the components of EPM to drive business results. So why don't you give us a little primer or primer, or however they say it where you're based, John, in what are these components? of EPM that our listeners can use, can seize upon, can embrace to become game changers for their company. Give us a little little EPM component lesson, if you will. So as, as you think about EPM, you can break it into a few different dimensions, and I think we've mm-hmm. touched upon them uh, a little bit today in the broadcast so far. But you can think about, you, you spoke, uh, Bonnie, a little bit about the forward-looking analytics, but you, you have that component. And then you also have the backward-looking analytics. So it's really trying to integrate the components of forecasting and planning, closing the books, and management reporting. And again, making sure that you have a tight cycle across all of those and that you're trying to achieve the same objectives at each point in the process 
is absolutely essential. So we we've seen we've seen clients em, embark on a, a forecasting and planning process, not necessarily paying attention to how that might affect the closing of the books, or vice versa, where there's a close improvement process going on that's focused on controls, but not necessarily focused on the the information. So because it's such a broad concept, it's important to, to look across at least all three of those disciplines so that you're driving overall value. And, and I agree with our other, uh, our other members of the panel today that CFOs are facing challenges they haven't felt before, and, and I don't want to steal any thunder, but I don't know that it's totally voluntary that they've been put in, in this position. And taking that holistic view will definitely help them play that role. We tend at Deloitte, we tend to call it more of a catalyst role rather than a, a stored role, but I think both can be can be used to to be a catalyst for that business. Okay, thank you very much. And you took me right up to the break. When we come back, I, John, I think we will we'll have everybody dive in on the genesis or the reason for this transformation of the Office of Finance. And then we're going to talk a little more about predictive. I want to make sure everybody understands the, the linkage from EPM to predictive. We talked about stepping stones. We will be dipping our toe in the water across those stepping stones when we come back. You're listening to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We are presented to you by SAP here on the Business Channel. Don't even think of touching that app, that mouse, that dial, however you're finding us. We're delighted you're with us today. We'll be right back. Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now. According to IDC, by 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments? Questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. And we're back, and our topic today is Performance Management, EPM, Stepping Stone to Predictive Analytics. My question to my panelists, John Steele from Deloitte, Jim Braun from Capgemini, Kurt, Kurt Billifer from SAP. My question is, why is the Office of Finance having to change? Is it their bright idea? Did their light bulb go off? Did somebody else in the C-suite say, okay, guys, let's gals, let's get off the chair here, let's get off the butt and start doing more for the business? We need you. So, John, help me with this. Let's start with this and then we'll have Jim and Kurt join in the conversation, please. Okay, Bonnie, I, thank you. I alluded to this before the break, but I think mm-hmm. that the external forces are really forcing the CFO to go there. It's been an unprecedented 
set of years since 2008 in terms of what external market forces and the economics, particularly in North America, are doing to our major clients and, and our CFOs. So we, we've seen a very much focus on additional revenue from existing markets, trying to mine your existing customers for additional revenue, additional profitability, just because of the overall economic situation. That has made enterprise performance management and the overall analytics topic extremely important to CFOs. So being able to understand what's driving the profit, what's driving the business, how can you increase market share? It's very interesting before the break, I think uh, Kerr was mentioning that you know the Far Eastern markets are different, and that, that's true. Here in North America, it's been slower, and that requires our CFOs to really dig in and understand where they can get that additional revenue and additional profitability. To do that, they have to transform the organization. They have to take their organization to a level where the organization is pushing the business to understand where those value drivers come from and how they can actually measure them out of the information that they they really get through their different systems. Okay, thank you. And Jim Braun, why don't you jump in on this? You agree that it comes from outside sources, this push for the CFO to get out of the chair and go help drive the business more and collaborate more? What do you think? I think it's both. Uh, I mean, I think okay. that uh, organizations are, are recognizing that the value in the CFO office is much more than closing the books, if you will. Um, they mm-hmm. certainly want to leverage that skill set uh, to do more, and the CFO personally wants to do more. They want to understand the business. Uh, you know, you, you grow up as an accountant learning businesses through numbers and transactions. Uh, at least that's how I did it. And, but, but really, you, you aspire to do more than record those numbers. You want to, you know, bring the, your findings and, and weigh in on the business decisions and, and contribute that way. You want, you want your company be, to be successful. Um, kind of goes back to my George Howes quote, right? So mm-hmm. that's the way I felt when I was a CFO, and uh, I'm sure that's the way more and more CFOs uh, are looking at things. So I think it's both. Okay, Kurt. Time for you to weigh in. You've been listening. What do you think? Both, either or. Where Where is the yeah, percentage? Yeah, I think it's both. I think you know. I mean, internally, you're seeing this huge decline of what they call the hippos. These these the highest paid person's opinion, which you know we sometimes Ooh. call gut feel, which runs the business, right? And 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 so that's that's a transition that's happened, and it probably started you know ten years ago, but now it's it's catching wildfire because of the availability of information um, and, and that movement to fact-based decisions. But I also think you have the markets, um, whether you're a public or private company, and trying to get access to capital and making those very focused and intelligent decisions because you do kind of have to place just a few bets, right? You can't, you can't really mm-hmm. just you know, do a Hail Mary anymore. And, uh, and so I think that's really what's driving it is the CEO is constantly going back to the CFO, who, let's face it, lives in a very black and white world, right? It is or it isn't. And, um, and so they're detail-oriented, and they ask the right questions. But, but I think that the secret sauce of the CFO is they ask the questions. Like, so, you know, if, if someone comes to them and, and, and asks for information, they ask those three or four questions to really, under, really understand what's the problem that's trying to be addressed, and, and they don't basically just give back a whole series of reports. They give back very, very, you know, sophisticated and focused solutions that address that problem. And I think you, you can see that from everything that comes out of the CFO's office. Typically, it is a purpose-built 
solution report analysis. Um, and that's what they're trying to bring is that discipline across the company. So, you. Uh, you know, I, I think it's both, but I, I think, you know, what you're seeing is these people are in all aspects of the business. And, uh, and whether it is how do we improve a process or what market do we go address, there really is no one better situated to have a fact-based conversation than the CFO. Okay. Is there a power play going on with this? If they're saying, hey, we are the best situated, we are the best trained, we are the best experienced, we can help all over the company. Is there any, any power play going on in the C-suite or outside? Just briefly, I'm wondering from the people standpoint, Kurt. Yeah, I don't. I don't see it. CFOs typically are not driven by that. In fact, you okay. know, they, I think they intentionally try to stay in the background. So I don't think there's a power play. Okay, good. I'm not going to ask everybody else because I want to move on. Let's talk about risk. Uh, Kurt told me before the show everyone owns risk. Let's talk about risk. I know Kurt, you have a background in GRC. Let's ask John Steele and Jim Braun to weigh in. What about risk? Is that something that the CFO's office owns, or does everybody in the company own? Managing risk, dealing with risk, planning for risk, coping with risk. Who wants to take a risky answer to a risky question? Jim? Um, it's definitely on the CFO's plate. Um, the CFO uh, is always there as a check and balance to the CEO and the entrepreneurs of the organization. Um, it, that's part of his or her role. Um, the analytical nature of the office can allow you to quantitatively quantitatively assess that risk and give a fact-based response or check and balance to uh, the entrepreneurs, you know, Hail Mary. Okay. John Steele, what do you think? I think I think it's critical for the CFO and the office of the CFO and finance in general to help continue to push the identification and management of risks. And this is an area, I think, where technology has increased quite a bit, that you can perform much more active management of business risk through the application of technology. So I think the definition of risk has even expanded from what it, it may have been five or ten years ago, where you may have been limited before to simply, you know, did I get this number right? Now they're talking about, now you have the capability of truly engaging in what's my risk of entering into this new market? Where are the breaks in the value chain? For me in, in wholesale distribution, it's absolutely critical to understand what happens if my if my import of of one particular product, my importation is cut off. And I know that our CFOs in wholesale distribution are looking at things like that and helping the business to understand the downstream financial impacts of events like that. Thank you. I want to move in a slightly different direction. We've got about six minutes left till the break before we go. I hope you all got the chamois out and you're starting very quietly in between answering my questions. You're starting to polish off that crystal ball because we're going to talk about predictions in the final segment. But I want to talk about the fact that financial information or information generated from, from, from financial systems has typically been very expensive because it was so manual. Technology has changed that. It was also locked away. Now, we talked in the beginning of the show about the fact that the CFO is branching out, collaborating, being flexible, talking to the LOBs, integrating what they have with the strategy of the business, helping in all new different ways, wonderful ways, positive ways. So do you all agree that that the financial information should be shared, that more should be able to gain access to this to, for example, mitigate risk or inform risk? Uh, Kurt, you want to weigh in on this one and then we'll have everybody join in? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think the benefits certainly outweigh the risks of, of sharing the information. Obviously, you know, during a quiet period or just before announcing earnings, you can't necessarily share all that information. But you do need to empower the people that are in the field making decisions. Um, and so whether that's giving them access to truly profit and loss statements by customer or by product or or by service offering, I think is something that's definitely important. I think where where people get get stuck is you know does this mean everybody becomes an insider and what does that look like? Um, which is why strategy and all this information typically resides in, in the upper echelon of an organization. Um, but I think that really slows things down, and and you are seeing a need. I mean, I'll go back to people's you know personal experiences. I mean, they can go get financial information, so much financial information on on public companies today. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's better than what we get internally. So, so there really is a need to accelerate that and share that information. But, but I think it's all based on role and context. And, and I think, you know, really, again, the, the, the benefits outweigh the risks. You just have to put it in a context that's relevant for the user that's consuming that information. Thank you. Very well put. Jim Braun from Capgemini, you want to weigh in on this, on the sharing of financial information that was typically locked away? It's automated. It's not so expensive. Do you agree role-based, permission-based, should be shared? What do you think? I do. I mean, certainly, you know, you have to weigh the risk and understand that, you know, what the risk is. But allowing folks to have access to information, understanding, you know, what the results are and what everyone is driving toward as an organization makes them feel part of a team. It also allows uh, you to get more opinions and insights uh, from a practical standpoint for folks on the front lines. Think, folks thinking outside of the box, it, it's definitely more beneficial. And, you know, as long as you keep the controls in place, um, I, I think it's, it's a huge benefit to, to success. Thank you, Jim. And let's add John Steele from Deloitte to this question and answer. What do you think? Share it, keep it locked up, progressive attitude, protective attitude. What do you think, John? What does your Deloitte experience tell you? Well, I certainly agree with the, the rest of the panel. And uh, the one thing that I might add on to what we've been saying is that definitely share the information, but don't make sure you're sharing the right information. So again, I, I, I might I don't want to go into broken record territory here, but with the tools that are out there today, you can drown the business in information. So again, it's making sure that you just uh, have the right amount of information so they can make actionable decisions. Okay, and I have a quick question. We have two minutes before break. Is EPM an everyday practice, an everyday best practice, or do you do it once in a while? Let me just run through the panel here. John Steele, everyday EPM, live by it, die by it, start and end the day with it, or, hey, put it on a weekly schedule to take a look. What do you think? I think it should be ingrained in every company culture every day. It's not the predominant thing that everyone does, but for mm-hmm. finance organizations, ultimately the only the only reason we keep books is to understand the performance of the company. So somewhere it should be locked into the fiber of the being of the entire finance organization. Beautifully put. I think we need to have somebody stitch up a, uh, a poster on that one. Very well put. Jim Braun, you agree from Capgemini? Your experience, EPM, everyday ingrained part of the fabric of the CFO's office? I couldn't agree more. Uh, business is uh, fast-moving. It happens every day. Uh, things happen every day, unexpectedly or expectedly. Uh, the more expected transactions you can predict, uh, the better position you're going to be in. Um, so absolutely, every day. 
Okay, good. And Kurt, you want to round that one out? Yeah, completely agree. It's part of the DNA. It's something we do uh, when we wake up in the morning and, and start our day. Absolutely. Okay, tell you what, I'm going to give you all an extra 30 seconds to start polishing off the crystal ball. But part of your predictions when we come back, and I'd like to ask you to look ahead five years to 2018 or however far you can see on a clear day or not. You own the crystal ball. You tell me how far you're looking. I want you to all please add in just a little bonus round here. What is the DNA? Well, that was a a term that Kurt just dropped, and it's one of my favorite words here on Game Changers Radio. Kurt, Jim, and John, what is the DNA of the successful CFO who will be running this progressive look-ahead EPM daily ingrained office five years from today? Where will they come from? What do will they have gender i don't know uh, part of the world i don't know you tell me so we're going to go to break now i'm bonnie d graham you're listening to financial excellence with game changers presented by sap here on the business channel we'll be right back with our final you don't want to miss these predictions i know this is going to be take notes worthy i'm talking to john Steele, jim braun kurt billifer and we'll be right back don't even think of touching that app but get your notepaper ready kids we got some good ones here okay brad Take me out. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now. According to IDC, by 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments? Questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to financial excellence with Game Changers. Here we are. Je pense donc je suis. I'm thinking about this, and we're talking about EPM, Stepping Stone to Predictive Analytics, and so much more, the transformation of the Office of Finance, the CFO, where should they be, what they should be doing every day, talking to three very smart people, John Steele from Deloitte, Jim Braun from Capgemini, and Kurt Billifer from SAP. Time for the crystal ball, but first I want to remind my Game Changer listeners to click on any banner on our show page or on the Coffee Break with Game Changers show page. That's our flag. 
flagship show, and that's tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern. I'll tell you about that coming up. And go look for the CIO Playbook. Learn how mobility can transform your business. There's a free playbook waiting for you. Okay, crystal ball time. Let's look ahead. What will EPM, Performance Management, the role and the energy and effort of the CFO, and who will the CFO be in five years in 2018? Let's start with John Steele. Talk to me, John. Okay, so thanks, Bonnie. I think Mm -hmm. that in 2018, what you will see is there's going to be a huge impact of technology in the next several years that's going to bring EPM together in a way that's been uh, looked for for a long time but not realized. So there'll be a lot lot more attention to be paid on the actual content of the information as opposed to pulling it all together. I think technology will give you one unified source of the truth. So then what will happen with the additional time that's available to analyze the information, it's going to push the CFO into that role and the CFO's organization into that role of a true catalyst, really partnering with the business and being able to provide the relevant information. Because like I've said a few times during the broadcast today, having such easy access to information means that the business can drown in the information. And I see finance as the the lifeboat, being able to to carry the right information to the business at the right time. Thank you. And what is the DNA of the new CFO? Who will he or she be? Tell me. The DNA of the CFO will continue to evolve, and I think we've seen this uh, over the last 15 or 20 years, but it's going to speed up even more. The, the successful CFO really has to be business savvy and understand in, in any particular company how the business is driven and where the business could benefit from tighter information. So it's someone that will, you know, not not just have a focus in accounting, but be able to walk into the walk into a sales situation and understand what could we do to drive additional revenue. Walk into a manufacturing situation and understand what are some processes we might be able to change in manufacturing to lower costs and improve quality. So really someone that can look at the business and, and tear it apart. And I think we said earlier in the broadcast today, I'm not sure if it was Jim or Kurt, that the CFO position is typically uh, a stage gate for the CEO role in many companies. And I think what you'll see with the evolution over the next uh, five years in the office of finance is that's only going to continue to increase. Very, very interesting. Okay, all of you job seekers, take note. Let's turn to, and thank you, John Steele, Jim Braun, Cap Gemini. What do you see? Can you take me five years out to 2018, Jim, or fill in the blank? How far can we go with you? Uh, sure, I can go out to, to 2018, I believe. Okay. Um, you know, so I, I, I agree. I, I think technology continues to advance in, in everyday functions, replacing manual functions. And what this is going to do is continue to drive down prices and technology, making technology even less of a barrier to entry and making EPM and predictive data more ubiquitous, uh, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. This evolution, you know, will change technology from being innovative, kind of want to have to need to have, in my opinion. And it, the, you know, the CFO in 2018 is going to need to have, you know, all the tools available and be utilizing those tools to be competitive um, because all of his or her competitors are going to have them. Um, you know, certainly it's going to change the, the landscape and because you are so dependent on these tools, downtime is going to become more costly uh, because it's going to affect more functions. But that's the way I see it. 
um, uh, and how it's going to impact the CFO office. Thank you. Very well put. Appreciate that. And Kurt Billifer, SAP, what do you see? How far out can you see from the Singapore sky? Is it clear over there, Kurt? It is. It is. Uh, you know, I, I think and we'll get here before 2018, but I think the trajectory is, you know, first is all this will be mobile, which which is important for a lot of these companies. I mean, I work with a lot of mining companies, oil and gas, and, and the people that are building the plans are not sitting in the office. You know, they're out in the field. So enabling people to, to do planning or, if, you know, especially some of these massive earth-moving trucks, right, if, if one of them breaks down in the middle of, of Perth, Australia, out in the middle of nowhere, someone needs to be able to say at that moment that truck's broken so you understand how it's going to impact, you know, pulling in raw materials for processing. And so, so those sort of decisions, I think, will be critical. So certainly mobile is part of that. I think enriched data will become absolutely critical. You know, I'll give you an example. At SAP, mm-hmm. we use uh, CRM for, for, you know, all of our pipeline, but there's a lot more information in there, more than just what we're going to close and who we're going to sell to, but things like terms and conditions and when we'll actually close the deal and, and, uh, and all those sort of things so I can start doing cash flow projections. So I think we'll see that in rich data as well as a whole bunch of external information that will be pulled together to really do effective planning. So when we build a plan and we say we're going to hire 50 people and 10 days into the quarter we haven't hired anybody, it can start to then real-time using predictive technology start to determine what am I likely to sell and therefore what are my earnings likely to be. So I think that enriched and kind of, you know, recommendation or predictive is certainly a big part of it. But I I think the the real secret sauce is it's all going to be context-relevant. You know, the problem with all these processes now is it is just a plethora of information that's delivered to you. And if you're only going through the budgeting and planning cycle once a year or once every six months, you, you have to relearn this all over again. So we have to kind of think of it from a consumer experience and simple, simplify the access to information and only ask people to really get inserted and contribute where they can add value and make it relevant to them. Um, and I guess the last one is just more detail. So we, mm-hmm. we, we don't ask in the planning process how many are you going to sell. We start asking more detailed questions. And, and maybe there's some intelligence built around that says here's what you sold last time and here's your current team and, and all those sort of things to build a plan. Or here's what we're seeing based on the latest earnings from the competitors that they're seeing more business out of Europe or whatever it might be. I think all those sort of intelligence, all that information is out there. Someone just really needs to sit through and figure out how do people use and consume the information. Um, and I, and I think, you know, from a technology standpoint, we're there. This, to me, the fundamental challenge is still that we limit access to this information. We're, we're not really increasing that transparency. And that has to be the first kind of cultural shift to say information for everyone, for lack of a better term. Okay. And very quickly, the DNA of the up-and-coming CFO. Any quick thoughts on that? Because yes, I, need, I, I need a minute to go out. Go ahead. You got it. So, so I think, first of all, they're, they're non-financial. There'll be people that rose through the business organization, and, ah. uh, and this, is just, this is just a stint on the way to the CEO's office. Um, I think they'll truly be global, so they'll be born in one part of the world, educated in a second, and they'll have worked in a third, um, and that will give them a true global perspective. They'll be extroverts or evangelists, which are very different than the several CFOs that we all know today. Um, but I also think they'll be technologists. They will not be afraid to utilize technology, and they'll understand it. 
and embrace it. I think those will be the changes we'll see in the DNA and the CFO. And I think Thank you'll you. see that in the next you know, two years. Thank you very much, Kurt. I'm just about out of time. Time for my predictions. Okay, Financial Excellence with Game Changers next Tuesday, April 23rd. Topic, mobility and finance. Impact, trends, and the future. That's hot off the press. Thank you, Aaron. And April 30th, looking for risk in all the wrong places? Tune in to find out what to do about that. Tomorrow, April 17th, on Coffee Break with Game Changers. Great topic. Defying gravity. SME, small to mid-sized enterprises, go global. SME concerns and opportunities in developed and emerging companies countries and april 24th next week we'll talk about people who need people the caregiving apps that go social and mobile in honor of autism awareness month i have to do a thank you to my wonderful guests great conversationalists very smart people john Steele from deloitte thank you thank you jim braun from cap gemini thank you thank you kurt billifer sap singapore thank you thank you thank you 12 hours later and a shout out to aaron hughes Malcolm Kimberlin, Karuna Mukherjee, thank you for joining us. You are our new tweeter extraordinaire, Karuna. Michael Lortz and the Business Channel team. I'm Bonnie D. Graham for Financial Excellence with Game Changers. My call to action, put your seatbelt on. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Talk to you tomorrow on Coffee Break. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO and join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, here on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week.